The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. TechTown Detroit is a business incubator and accelerator, helping tech startups and local businesses launch and grow. TechTown supports businesses with co-working and office space, meeting space, and event space. They also connect entrepreneurs to resources and learning and networking events in Detroit. Join TechTown Detroit Thursday, October 10th for their annual fundraiser, Toast of the Town, a benefit celebrating Detroit's entrepreneurial spirit, which includes the fourth annual Salute Awards. Tickets available at techtowndetroit.org toast. TechTown Detroit, a 501c3 nonprofit helping Detroit startups and businesses start, stabilize, and scale. Greetings all, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Coming up on today's program, President Trump made an abrupt decision to withdraw U.S. troops from the Syria-Turkey border area. They've been assisting the Kurds there for quite some time. This is creating a lot of uncertainty in the region and some new tensions between the United States and Turkey. What does it all mean? Well, my friend Saeed Khan is going to join us to tell us all about that. He's an expert on these sorts of things, so we'll get an update on what is happening in the Middle East today on the program. Stick around. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Thanks for checking out the show today. I do appreciate it. Well, I think the world was taken a bit by surprise when President Trump announced that U.S. troops would be leaving northern Syria. They have been there assisting the Kurdish forces as they fight against ISIS and have been a part, of course, of the Syrian civil war that has been going on there for a long time. There are many people that suggest that the presence of U.S. troops, and there's small numbers in an advisory role, but the fact that they are there at all is what has been preventing the Turkish army from invading portions of northern Syria. They're looking to create a buffer zone there uh, that could be about 18 miles deep into Syrian territory. But the question is, what happens to the Kurdish forces? What happens to the Kurds in that region if indeed Turkey, who has long been opposed to the Kurds, comes in there? It could lead to all sorts of problems, and this is creating a, another international situation that uh, is uncertain and delicate at this point in time. But to give us a better understanding of the politics in this area and uh, an understanding, of course, what the ramifications could be, well, we're joined by my friend Saeed Khan. He's a senior lecturer in Near East and Asian Studies at Wayne State University. He also teaches at Rochester College, and he's a frequent guest on the program anytime I need somebody that has expertise in this part of the world. Saeed, welcome back to The Craig Folly Show. It's always a pleasure. Great to be here again, Craig. All right, so this is an interesting situation we find ourselves in here. President Trump on Sunday suggesting that he's going to be pulling troops uh, away from uh, uh, out of Syria, some advisory troops that have been working with the Kurdish forces in northern Syria. Turkey, meanwhile, has been talking about potentially invading that section of Syria for a long time. Uh, then the president signaled yesterday that maybe he would take action if Turkey did something that he thought in his uh, incredible wisdom or whatever he said yesterday that the U.S. may have some sort of retaliation, but we don't know what that is. But but let's get to the roots of this. Why is Turkey so uh, interested in uh, claiming this section of Syria? Well, Turkey is looking to create a buffer zone. Uh, they do not want to have any kind of Kurdish presence which would threaten their interests. Uh, uh, first and foremost, they don't want the Kurds to make a case to the West and to, well, until this weekend, what seemed to be their allies, the United States, 
to sue for an independent Kurdish uh, republic, which would be at the expense of, uh, of Turkish territory. The Turks and the Kurds have had a very difficult uh, relationship for, well, uh, just about a century. Uh, the Kurds aren't even recognized as uh, a distinct uh, ethnic group. Going back to the foundation of the Turkish Republic in uh, 1923 by Mustafa Kemal Ataturk from the ashes of the Ottoman Empire, uh, the Kurds weren't even known as Kurds. They were called Mountain Turks uh, as a way to uh, strip them of their distinct identity. Their clothing, uh, their customs, uh, their practices were all banned uh, and to a great degree still are banned by Turkey. So you can see that this is really part of the national fabric of, uh, of Turkey, that uh, they do not want to have any kind of rise of, uh, of, of Kurdish nationalism. And there are various uh, parties, including the PKK, the Kurdistan uh, Workers' Party, which are declared terrorist organizations, and uh, their leadership uh, have been dealt with quite harshly. Uh, much of it, in fact, is in, uh, is in prison in Turkey. Now, when it comes to Syria and this so-called buffer zone, they want to then uh, clear out uh, any possible Kurdish staging ground from there, which could then be uh, exploited to make incursions uh, into uh, into Turkey. They also uh, see this as a practice which uh, has legs within the region. Uh, of course, uh, in southwest Syria, we have uh, the Golan Heights, which uh, Israel annexed uh, as a result of the 1967 Six-Day War. So here, uh, Turkey uh, feels a certain level of impunity to go into the northern area to create a buffer zone. They're saying, uh, pre uh, President uh, Recep Erdogan is saying that he wants to clear this area out to then allow uh, the two million Syrian refugees, which currently are being uh, uh, housed in Turkey, to return to Syria in an area where they will be safe under uh, Turkish uh, military uh, protection. So this is a delicate situation for the United States. Um, the Kurdish forces have been aiding the U.S. in the fight against ISIS uh, in that part of the world. Uh, the Kurds obviously uh, as, have been helping the United States in their military efforts in, in Iraq as well. So the United States has had a, a pretty good relationship with the Kurds. Uh, and when it comes to this, I mean, it's been a little bit shaky at times, obviously. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be any loyalty from President Trump here or any appreciation for that if he's going to potentially allow this uh, Turkish incursion. In many ways, uh, the Kurds have unfortunately become used to this. They have been uh, exploited by uh, particularly Western uh, forces to do the bidding of Western strategic interests and priorities and objectives in the region, always with the hope and based on the pretense that the West would then uh, pay back uh, its gratitude by uh, supporting a, a Kurdish uh, republic. Now, to some degree that has happened in northern Iraq where you have a semi-autonomous Kurdish state, but uh, the Kurdish people's land uh, spreads across several of these countries, including Syria and, and Turkey. So here we find just another manifestation that the Kurds were the ones spilling blood they were very, very effective in uh, pushing back ISIS. And that's why when Trump uh, is uh, tweeting that it was he who put an end to the ISIS caliphate, that's wrong in two ways. One, uh, it really wasn't the United States. It was the Kurds on the ground doing it. And second of all, uh, what appears to now be a distinct possibility is that ISIS may come back. 
Well, President Trump yesterday, uh, here's what he said. And, and of course, you know, his own party started freaking out on this decision uh, that he made somewhat, uh, you know, unilaterally to to move these troops. In fact, his number one general says he wasn't even consulted about whether or not this was a good idea. The president sort of stepped back, and here's what he said yesterday. He said, quote, if Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched wisdom, consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey. Now, he hasn't said what is off limits, what he considers to be off limits, but Turkey then responds today saying, hey, we're not going to respond to threats. We're going to determine our own path here. Uh, it seems as if there's going to be some sort of a conflict coming up here. I'm not sure what form it's going to take, but the disintegration, further disintegration of the Turkish-U.S. relationship could have some pretty significant ramifications, could it not? Well, particularly, Craig, given the fact that uh, Turkey is a charter member of NATO. So when it comes to uh, at least American, not Trumpian, uh, foreign policy and defense configurations, uh, Turkey is is certainly a and has been a frontline ally in uh, in American strategic interests in the region. But I think what this really shows is a desperation on the part of uh, of President Trump that's going to have long term consequences, uh, not only with the relationship with Turkey, but Turkey's uh, greater move toward Russia and China. Again, as you and I have talked about many times, this this doesn't have as much to do with ideology as it has to do with geography. And Turkey, like Iran, are very well-placed when it comes to the new shift of power and new centers of gravity being created by China and Russia. And let's make no mistake, this really has to do with pipelines. And so when you have pipelines involved for uh, energy needs, uh, particularly when it comes uh, to the fact that they're heading toward Europe, uh, the second largest uh, energy market in the world, and the fact that uh, China is... Uh, uh, creating its uh, Silk Road Initiative, the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, which will go through both Iran and uh, and uh, Turkey, uh, we see then that uh, there are other players on the uh, on the field right now who can have a lot more leverage. And Turkey has some choices. They no longer have to make the deal with the United States or more broadly the West. They can, uh, in many ways, go back to the role that they had for centuries, which is straddling uh, the West and the East very much as the city of Istanbul is located both in uh, Europe and in Asia. So let's also talk about the potential expansion of conflict within Syria here as a result of this. Uh, there's a lot of different players there, a lot of different interests. Obviously, they're competing on the ground in Syria. Uh, even if this incursion is only 18 miles, which is what uh, I guess a, a Turkish newspaper was reporting this morning, that the battle plan would basically push for this 18-mile buffer zone into Syria, what does that do in terms of uh, uh, Bashar al-Assad? Uh, and what does that do in terms of, of stability in Syria, which is obviously lacking? Well, I think that uh, none of these deals uh, and none of these strategies are going without uh, some notification to Bashar al-Assad in Damascus. And uh, he's going to have to accept the fact that uh, powers with higher pay grades than his are going to be making decisions uh, regarding both the sovereignty and the stability of his country and his own regime on a more personal level. And we really see here that it is Vladimir Putin who is now calling the shots. And so if Turkey is looking to move in, it's not just the Kurds who are going to suffer, but it's also going to be the Syrian Democratic Forces. 
Oh, now, when you take a look at uh, the decision that President Trump made on this one, and, and again, we're still not sure if he's going to fully uh, fully pull all the troops out of there, and mostly they are, again, special forces, support troops, things like that, that have been aiding uh, the, the Kurdish forces there. Uh, what signals does that send about the United States and our role there? Uh, is it something that, that weakens us in the region, or is it the, a decision that we're going to have to make eventually? Well, American uh, policy in the region has really been weakened uh, over the last uh, 16 years. It started with, of course, the uh, the rather ill-fated uh, decision to invade Iraq under the uh, George W. Bush uh, administration. That really seems to have destabilized the region. It unraveled much of uh, the very precarious and delicate balance uh, that that existed. Even the Obama administration, uh, though, was conflicted on what to do and how to pick up the pieces uh, after Iraq. Uh, I think the administration rightly uh, assessed that the American public had no stomach for yet another war because Afghanistan was still going on, so this would have been the third one in the region. At the same time, uh, the Obama administration had two different uh, views of policy in the region. The uh, Iran nuclear deal was one, which of course uh, President Trump has uh, pulled the U.S. from. And the other was to outsource uh, policy regarding Syria to what are supposed to be our regional allies. The problem was that the Saudis and the Gulf states, they wanted uh, an immoderate opposition to Assad in order to weaken uh, the Assad regime's uh, reliance on Iran in the region as a client state. And at the same time, you have Turkey that wasn't interested either in neutralizing ISIS or really getting rid of Assad uh, uh, in any measure. It was more uh, interested in uh, trying to push back on what they saw was Kurdish opportunism. So as a result of that, uh, American policy hasn't been that great. It allowed other uh, rather ambitious forces uh, that already had some stake uh, in the game to now have uh, an indelible uh, presence. And of course, that's Russia. Well, I want to get back to what President Trump said. He said if, if Turkey does anything that he finds beyond the pale, he'll respond by destroying their economy. I, obviously, that's maybe not something he could accomplish if he wanted to. Uh, it sounds like there would be some sort of sanctions, maybe uh, also some sort of some sort of tariffs or something like that that would probably uh, hurt them. But uh, it, it seems to be a bit of an empty threat. And I guess the question is, what what would be something that that could happen as a result of this that would be deemed to be beyond the pale? I mean, are, what kind of a humanitarian crisis could we be looking at here? Well, I mean, first of all, there's reports now that uh, President Erdogan is going to be a guest at the White House. Uh, so uh, it's still a rather fluid situation. Um, there's also reports that uh, the phone call and the capitulation to President Erdogan uh, was a result of uh, Erdogan being upset that uh, he couldn't get a one-on-one -on -one meeting with uh, President Trump during the UN General Assembly meetings last week. Uh, who really knows what's going on? As far as uh, Turkey is uh, uh, concerned, we see a steady uh, series of defiance. Uh, there was the threat that uh, President Trump made that Turkey would severely suffer were they to buy the Russian S-400 surface-to-air missiles. Uh, Turkey went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, there was uh, talk from the president that uh, the F-35 stealth fighter jet deal with Turkey would fail. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. And even if it was, 
Turkey has other markets from whom it can buy weapons now, uh, Russia and China, which of course then begs the question that is this really about uh, Trump making defense contract deals with these countries? And if it seems as though they're petulant, uh, that Trump will be willing to compromise. And this is his version of deal making. Regarding Syria, uh, the big question is with the Kurds under threat from Turkey, What's going to happen to the Al-Hol uh, refugee camp, which uh, is housing 10,000 uh, ISIS fighters and, and, and family members? Uh, if the Kurds either are pushed out of that region or if they decide to just simply unlatch the door, uh, that means 10,000 ISIS affiliates uh, are going to be running around uh, with no real way to go ahead and control where they are. So that would perhaps be the, the, the scariest scenario. But yet again, it's very difficult to see that uh, either the United States would punish Turkey for that or would even be in a position to punish Turkey for that. And what about, obviously, the people caught in the middle of this? I mean, you have a number of Syrian refugees that Turkey, has, as you mentioned, has been housing. Uh, you talked about the fact that Turkey would like to resettle some of these people back within Syrian territory that they would then control as this buffer zone. There are some that are suggesting this is a violation of, of <clears throat> international law. I'm not, I'm not uh, an expert in international law. But what's the concern there? And, and would we actually potentially see the possibility of some sort of uh, ethnic cleansing against the Kurds? Well, as far as international law is concerned, if there is going to be seen as an encroachment into uh, another country, it's only a violation of international law if there's an, uh, an objection to it. If, if Assad doesn't have uh, an issue, then uh, there's really no problem with Erdogan uh, being able to claim legitimacy. If anything, uh, it would be more of a violation of international law for the United States to be present because there is no evidence that the Assad regime, which is recognized as a legitimate regime, uh, despite all of its atrocities, uh, that uh, it has consented to the presence of uh, American military uh, personnel there. Regarding the humanitarian issue, uh, this, of course, is, 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 a, is a massive problem. Uh, Turkey has been uh, able to leverage its proximity to Syria and the fact that it has taken in two million refugees by holding the European Union at bay. And of course, that has led to quite a bit of negotiation with the EU to say that if you hold the refugees, we will uh, give uh, basically subsidies. So unfortunately, we've got human beings who are in a complete crisis of, of humanitarian uh, uh, destruction that are being used as pawns in these bigger games of leverage between the various powers, the EU and Turkey, Turkey, the United States, Russia, uh, Iran, uh, and, and the like. There does not seem to be any future uh, plans to ease the misery of, uh, of any of them. Well, in the meantime, uh, I sort of get to bring this full circle here about some of the condemnation that uh, the president has seen for this decision here. Uh, the European states, not happy at all uh, with this decision. Again, no consultation with them. Uh, they're the ones that have been more directly impacted by the refugee crisis, obviously. Uh, a number of NATO countries have been dealing with people from Syria. Uh, do they have a point? Well, I think as far as when, when it comes to geopolitics, Craig, uh, no one likes to be blindsided. There is at least supposed to be the decorum and the protocol of some kind of consultation. Uh, that doesn't seem to happen when a man has two th uh, thumbs on his phone 
and is tweeting out policy and making policy in uh, within 140 to 280 characters on Twitter. So I think that that is something that uh, is bothering the the EU in particular. At the same time, they have to be very, very uh, careful in how they frame the uh, criticism because they rely heavily on Turkey and Russia uh, who are on the other side of the ledger and uh, arguably are the ones who are going to benefit greatly from this uh, this configuration. It is Europe that is on the receiving end of uh, natural gas and, and oil that comes through pipelines from Russia and Turkey. So they're not going to then condemn too much uh, what is the potential uh, of Turkey and how they are going to be uh, treating the Kurdish population there. As far as your uh, earlier uh, question about whether this could lead to some kind of an ethnic cleansing, uh, that is very, very possible. Uh, the Turks will go ahead and, of course, claim that these are Tur- uh, Kurdish fighters. They pose a national security threat to Turkey. It's not really involving a civilian population, but the civilian population is always going to be a collateral damage there. Yeah, well, that's that's the that's the thing to watch out for. And I who knows? This is moving so quickly. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of this may change within the next 12 hours uh, before people even get a chance to listen to this today. But thank you for keeping us uh, up to date on this and giving us the information we need to, to make a better decision. Thanks, Saeed. Anytime, Craig. Thank you. And that's going to do it for the Craig Folly Show today. Coming up on tomorrow's program, I think we're going to be talking about a new model of healthcare that's taken shape down in southwest Detroit. It's new to our area. These types of practices have been popping up across the United States. This is the first one in our region, and we're going to talk to the doctor behind it on tomorrow's program. Looking forward to that. Got some other cool stuff coming up a little bit later on this week. We're also going to have the president of Kettering University joining us. You may recall I spoke to him up on Mackinac Island, but Kettering is getting ready for their 100th anniversary gala celebration a little bit later on this month. We thought we'd catch up with him again because he was such a fascinating guest. Remember, the man is a physicist professor and also the president of the university at the same time. Super smart guy and a fun conversation. So looking forward to that. That'll probably be tomorrow. Thursday, we'll talk health care. How about that? That's the order we'll do it in. We'll talk to the president of Kettering tomorrow, and then we'll do the healthcare one on Thursday. Looking forward to both of those. And of course, Friday, it is the week that was. Thanks to our sponsors, Samaritas and TechTown. Always appreciate them being a part of the show and, uh, and looking forward to some conversations we're going to have with both of them about some neat things coming up pretty soon. So that should be fun as well. Don't forget emails, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, any of those places. Let me know what you're thinking, and uh, thanks for listening. The number's going in the right direction. More of you are finding it every day, and I appreciate that a whole lot. And also the shares. I really appreciate the shares. That helps. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit.